Welcome to the season review for I'm not the expert but season one. Use the time indexes in the blurb where we usually describe what the episode is about to skip to the times where you might want to listen to particular clips. Otherwise, sit back and enjoy the ride. Episode 2, Ray Harryhausen. Ray Harryhausen was born in 1920. In 1933, he watched King Kong. You know the black and white King Kong film? Yeah, he I watched that yeah. and he was sold. That was it. That's what he wanted, what he wanted for his whole life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to the University of California and when he graduated and went on through his career, he ended up going back there to teach. Right. So he, he was that good. He worked with Willis O'Brien, who is the guy that worked on uh, Mighty Joe Young in 1949. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, Ray Harryhausen did a stint in the army in World War Two. Oh, okay. And, well, yes. And they, As most people would have, yeah. They were doing propaganda films for World War Two, and he worked under a colonel, Frank Capra. Frank, Frank Capra. Frank Capra, the director who did It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, yeah. One of my favorite movies. Colonel Frank Capra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was an innovator in uh, Dynamation. Have you heard of Dynamation? I haven't. Dynamation is how he used to do the real people, Jason, Sinbad, all these guys, Perseus, all that kind of thing. Yeah, so the, the, the live action. Yeah, 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 yeah. How he used to do them, fighting the, the monsters. Yeah, the so, skeletons that so keep rising up from the ground. What they yeah, did yeah. was they'd film the, the fight scene, the real people fighting imaginary monsters. Okay. Having looked at the script and looked at the storyboard, and known what to do and when to throw a sword yeah. and when to block and when to thrust and all that kind of thing. Right. And they used to screen that on the background, say. And in the foreground, he used to do the exactly. animation. So he could move frame by frame. So like on a set? Like yeah, of, yeah. Like the on a set tabletop would be kind of thing and he'd have a... Built in the foreground. And he'd and have that playing on a screen behind that. Yeah. Okay. And and he used to do it frame by frame and be able to move the character, the monster, yeah. frame by frame. So twenty four frames a second. The Jason or Sinbad or whoever it was that was blocking the monster striking, yeah. he could animate the monster striking. Right. Frame in by sync frame. With what in sync with what we're doing. So yeah. Episode two, bonus episode, Medusa's shit deal. Poseidon saw Medusa gone to worship in the temple of Athena. The most, Medusa at this stage is the most beautiful woman to walk the earth, right? Whatever your vision of beauty in your head is, that was Medusa times a million, okay? okay? He saw her, Poseidon saw her and he went, hang on a minute, I'll have some of that. And he went over and he defiled her in the temple of Athena. So it was written as he defiled her. But he raped her in the temple of Athena. Medusa was was then the, the victim. And Athena saw this and was furious. Absolutely furious. She blamed Medusa. Athena oh, blamed oh, right. Medusa for being raped by Poseidon. Who, incidentally, Poseidon just fucked off back to the sea. Yeah. Care, carefree, blameless. Like, yeah, yeah, just gone. And Medusa was cursed by Athena. She was made hideous. Her looks were torn meant to stone. Her long, luxurious hair turned into a head of snakes. Her body was mutated and she was made into a monster. So the exact opposite from being the most beautiful thing times a million to being the most hideous hideous thing times a million. You couldn't even look at a man. Yeah, she had all, when she was beautiful Medusa, she had all these male suitors. Mm. Now her looks would turn men to stone. Okay, Medusa had two sisters, and in in the version of the story I read, the two sisters said something like, here, hang on a fucking minute, when Medusa got punished. So Athena punished them too, and turned them into gorgons. So there were three gorgons that were exiled to this island that they Um, lived on. And they also had the head snakes and the... I don't know if they were, I don't know if, I I I think they were hideous. I don't know if... 
if they could turn men to stone with the looks because they weren't as beautiful as Medusa. Mm. So, you know. But they had a stage. But they were turned, uh, in, yeah, turned into yeah. monsters and, and, yeah. and deformed okay. and all that kind of thing. Okay. So hang on, just to back up a bit. Why do you think Athena punished Medusa and not Poseidon? Like she was a priestess of, I, of Athena. She worshipped Athena. I have no idea. And then she I have no idea. Um, okay. It could have been like gods being capricious. It could have been jealousy that she was mm. jealousy, jealous of her beauty. Mm. And, and this was her chance to yeah. or that she, blame her. Although she was fighting with Poseidon, maybe she had designs on well, her. No, actually, here's the thing I read. Um, Zeus was Athena's favourite god. Right. And if Athena, and this is just my theory, if Athena had gone to war with Poseidon, who was Zeus's brother, they may have fallen out. So she yeah. she punished. Here, it's somebody's it's fault. It's fucking. Right. It's Someone's yours. Someone's getting punished. So yeah, yeah. Punish and you're woman. getting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was. It's. It's. So it's, so it's basically one of the earliest cases of victim blaming. Well, I'll get into how early it is later mm. at the end of it. But it it's fucking. It's weird, and it's it's. I was, I was appalled while I was reading it. I was oh. disgusted with it. Episode 3. Immortal Jellyfish and Sci-Fi Reality Turritops is Neutricula and Turritops is Dorney. That's what I asked you to remember. Yeah. It's in, the, in the 1980s, two students collected specimens that they thought were Turritopsis Neutricula. They're just species of jellyfish that they wanted to do tests on. Right. Okay, so these two biology students, Chris and Summer and Giorgio Bavistrello, wanted to study some sexually immature Turritopsis nutricula. Being students, they forgot about them, and that's just down to pressure, I assume, because <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. got so much to do. Like they, they forgot about them. Well, they, they just kind of let them They left them in the tank that they caught them in, I suppose, and put them in after they'd been caught and, right. and left them there. Okay. And that's not like left them for months and months and months. They might have left them for a week. Right, but they, they were off parking, being students and all that. Yeah, <laughs> but they, they left them. One of the students, Christian Summer, came back to the tank and found that there were polyps on the bottom of the tank. So he thought... These inverted commas, sexually immature jellyfish that he caught, this Turritopsis must have reproduced because there were polyps on the bottom of the tank. And right. that's, that's the only plausible explanation. Right, okay. So we couldn't explain it. He observed them over the next few days, not doing anything, not feeding them, or um, just, just recreating the circumstances. And the life cycle of a jellyfish goes from planula which is like a, a cloud of tissue fl flowing through the water, right? Right, okay. It attaches itself to a hard surface like a rock, okay. and it grows into a polyp, and that's a polyp not unlike a sea anemone, okay? From the polyp, they spread off the top. They, it's literally like a little tower, and they pop off the top, and right. they are sexually immature medusa. They're right. tiny one centimeter by one centimeter jellyfish, right. in sexually immature jellyfish that float off through the water and they do their thing. They grow up and then they reproduce and then they die. And then the eggs get fertilized in water and turns into a planula right. again. Yeah. And the whole thing starts over again. Starts over again, okay? So what? Almost like the sea equivalent of a butterfly emerging from a chrysalis. Exactly. That Actually, that's yeah. exactly what it's like. Right, okay. Okay, so he observed these and the sexually immature turritopsis, what he thought was turritops neutricula, right. when stressed in its environment, and stressed is like lack of food, um, predator attack. Right. Wrong atmosphere in the water or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, kind of wrong pH or acidity. Yeah, yeah. Skipped the planula stage. These weren't Turritopsis neutricula. They were Turritopsis dorni. Mm -hmm. And it's a species of jellyfish that is technically mortal. Episode 4. Haha, <laughs> April Fools. Right, as in hilarious Latin for joy. Right. Right, so followers of the cult of Sybil, right, or the Magna Mater, as she was also known. Sybil. 
Sybil. Like Sybil Faulty. Yeah. Basil's wife. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Sybil. Okay. It's, it's spelled C Y B E L, but I'm, I'm assuming it's that's It's Sybil. Yeah. It's Sybil Faulty. Right. Anyway, yeah. So she's also known as Magna Mater, which is Latin for the Great Mother. Okay. Right. So, anyways, followers of Sybil Faulty would dress in disguises every April and mock other citizens, even magistrates. Oh, even, and, like, and that was like they didn't get yeah. punished for it. No, that's no. the same as in they did it in the life of Brian. There was a whole street of them. You know Monty Python's life of yeah, Brian. Yeah, yeah. There's that. a whole street of them. Not the Messiah. And Brian is trying to hide from the soldiers chasing him, so he joins them. And they did yes. it. They did it in Gladiator. Yeah. Do you remember um, Maximum, what Decimus Meridius, whatever his fucking name is, makes a show of the emperor in the. In the Colosseum. Colosseum. Yeah, are you not entertained? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, that's long before. That was North Africa. I mean, when he talks, when... Oh, yeah, when, yeah no, sorry, yeah. When, when yeah. Caesar does his thumb down to kill the guy and yeah. Maximus won't, doesn't yes. kill him, and makes a show and Caesar comes down to him and he turns back on him. Yeah. After that episode, all the street vendors and theatre actors mm. are making a show of... Caesar and Maximus by, yeah, by being comedic about it. Oh, okay. And they're not getting punished by the legislators and the government okay, because so it's freedom of expression. It's right. freedom of art and First Amendment, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. In ancient Rome. Yeah, well. there you go. So it all comes from somewhere. Yeah, and those guys would have been followers of the cult of Sybil then. Yeah, yeah. You know, most likely. Like, that's one of the earliest kind of representations of what we come to know now as political lampoon and the likes of spitting image or you know yeah yeah i love spitting image who was your favorite character in spitting image that that was written by what's his face ben ben elton ben elton episode five very superstitious the indo-european celts and possibly earlier Mm. believed that spirits dwelled within the trees yeah. And, okay, and yeah, you know, yeah. Mother Nature, that's yeah. that's the, the fundamental force. thing. But, the force, so, yeah. they would knock on wood, knock on the tree, or touch the tree to invoke the spirit okay. for protection, or oh, to I not anger that. it. Yeah, this is like my I, favourite yeah, superstition. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not superstitious like, yeah, yeah, at I'm all. Not, but, I'm yeah, very yeah. much into that kind of Celtic yeah, stuff. But, but to invoke the spirit's protection. Yeah. So, that's like, that's... Now my favourite superstition. Use the force. Yeah, knock on wood. I love it. That's, yeah, absolutely. I'm having that. Um, Christians believed it was more to do with the wood used in Christ's cross. Oh, because they robbed everything. We said it in the last podcast. Yeah, and Whatever right, the yeah. fucking Christians want, the it fucking Christians get. get. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the point and, of and, a sword if needs be. Yeah, well, there you go. But, but. The fact that they believe it's more to do with Christ's crucifixion dates the superstition to 2,000 years ago-ish. It's just, yeah. And... Well, certainly no earlier than that. Yeah, which, which, than that. which makes it really flimsy. And as a superstition, it's got a veneer on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know oh, that yeah. cheap it's fucking veneer, chip yeah. wood bullshit? Yeah. Yeah, so, no, I'm not... Having that knock on no, wood. I love the Celtic version. It's that's, Celtic version. Yeah. That's it. That's love a part that. of the So to. many of I say, us Christians, I was born, you know, I was put baptized Christian. I'm not. Yeah, I was born but, and raised Roman Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So so many of us and so many of the traditions that we were brought up in have been stolen piecemeal from paganism, from Celtic mythology. That's a whole podcast in itself. I think it is what it is what we're going to do. I, think, I want to talk to you about holidays. I know we've done yeah. April Fool's in the last one, but yeah. I want to talk to you about holidays and that will get into the whole yeah. Christian, yeah, so Christian that's, Yeah, because that's Catholic what I'm, I'm chopping at the bit to get into Preamble that bullshit. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Christians believe that it was more to do with Christ's cross. We don't believe that and nor do you. And you will recognise this. There are others believe that it's Again, it's it's dating it to very recently, which adds a, a, a flimsy aspect to it that I don't like. Mm-hmm. But they say it was more to do with a 19th century chasing game that kids used to play. Okay. And you probably played when you were a kid, because I know I played a version of it. Like that 
when you're touching a tree, you're safe. Yeah, okay, yeah. Remember that touch the lamppost thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you used to have to run around, you get somebody's, hopefully the girl you like chasing you. Yeah. And you accidentally, oh, look at me. Chasing me, Jesus. Yeah. Episode six, the chocolate and popcorn gods. Lads, turn the podcast off now if you don't want to hear about Willy Wonka. (laughs) Okay. In Roald Dahl's book, the Oompa Loompas yeah. weren't green-haired, orange-faced no. little people no, they who weren't. worked making candy with a song in their hearts. Yeah. Oompa Loompas in the film were rescued... We're basically Aztecs. Oompa Loompas in the film were rescued by Wonka from the wangdoodles, the hornswogglers yeah. and the snozwangers. Snozwangers, yes. Yeah. In Roald Dahl's first edition of his book, the Umpalumpas were slaves from Africa. Okay. They were three thousand strong tribe of pygmies yeah. imported inverted commas Jesus. from deepest darkest Africa. Yeah. Now when they went back and made the Johnny Depp movie, which I thought was fantastic. I love Johnny that. But Depp. But that's so good. But the origin of the Umpalumpas in that, and even the look of them and everything else, is much closer to that than what they did in the seventies. With, you know, the orange and green hair and stuff. If you look, they were yeah, very yeah. much kind of that kind of... They look like aztec kind of, You know, that kind yeah, of, you know, yeah. deep, dark tribe of little people or whatever. But the African slaves thing, that's a big no And I know recently there's been a lot of talk of cancelling Roald Dahl and no, changing no, the books. No, let me... He anyway. was quoted as saying, and I'm not vilifying or making... He's not a villain here. No, That's not what no. I'm trying to get. He was quoted in an interview when this was brought up to him. Mm-hmm. He said, I created a group of fantasy creatures. The white kids in the books were the most unpleasant of all. That's and very they really, true. Really oh, they were. were. I mean, it's not the whole kind of, you know, cautionary tale yeah. of, the, of the story. Yeah. It didn't occur to me that my depiction of the Umpalumpas was racist, but it did occur to the NAACP and others. Right. And they approached him. Okay. Like, and he sat down with them. After listening to their criticisms, I found myself sympathising with them and he revised the book. Episode 7 Unsciency DNA. Again, Mr. Scientist or Miss Scientist, if you're listening, Get in touch and correct me. I have a little bit on that as well. Okay, do you want to go on? Let me tell you what nucleotides are first. So A-T-C-G is adenosine A, thymine T, cytosine C, and guanine G. And they can... They can be in any combination yeah. of that within the, yeah. and the thread-like structure, which is your double helix. Yeah. Do you know what each of those nucleotides is made up of? No. This, this is where I was struggling when you were telling me about it the other day, Dal, and I was trying to work like, I'm still struggling. Trying to get it into my head. They're basically a chemical compound, which is a base, a sugar with five electrodes. Okay. And a... Phosphate, which is like like a salt from phosphorus acid. Okay. So that's your chemical compound. So that's the base. That's everyone's basic everything. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay, fair enough. Your DNA is 99% similar to the person next to you. Yeah. Even if that person is a stranger. So if you're sitting on the bus listening to this in your AirPods, Mm. the person sitting next to you on the seat, if there's one there, or even the driver driving the bus, is 99% similar to you DNA. The other 1% gives you your eye color, gives you your hair color, your freckles or your skin color or whatever it may be, or how predisposed to disease you might be. Because some people get lots of diseases throughout their life and some people don't get any and that 1% is the explanation. Maybe they can can now explain medically. That's what I'm saying. It's... The one percent that is compared between you and your potential father, shall we say? Yeah. My potential um, father. That was, <laughs> my potential no, father was my fucking father. I'm just saying, if you're a baby and they're 
they're trying to discern okay the so it's a paternity it's suit situation one, yes, right. okay. it's that one percent yeah I thought you were saying something about my mom between the baby and its potential yeah, father okay. and it's yeah so it is the similarities in that one percent because the other 99 percent is identical Anyway. Okay, so wind in the fist, you're not getting a box in the nose. No, no, okay, no your dad enough. was very much your dad. Now. Okay. <laughs> now, other stuff that we're similar to, this is stupid interesting. Okay. This just had me going for ages and I was just opening up tab after tab right, okay, after well, tab on my com go computer. Notes now with the list. No, it's there's lots of it, but there's I've got very little to no explanation for any of it. Okay. So I'm not going in depth. I just found it really interesting. Okay. We're 99% similar to chimps. Yeah, I've heard that. Okay. Didn't some... Yeah, but I, I do know... Yeah. Um, I'll look it up later. There's people that give out... If, if we're descended from chimps, how come they're still fucking chimps? Or no. I'm not descended from any fucking monkey. Yeah, yeah. It, you're it's not... No, no, you're not des descended from... A chimp. We didn't evolve from chimps, no. but we do share a, a common, common ancestor, ancestor a couple that hundred thousand years on ago. Yeah, on different branches of the tree. So yeah, so yeah. that argument is at the moot point. That's oh, totally. Yeah. Cats were ninety percent genetically similar to cats. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So someone says they're a cat person, they might be more <laughs> to it than that. Well, they're ninety percent. Well, right we all anyway. are. We all are. Yeah, they're ninety yeah. percent right. Mice are about 85% similar. Episode 8. We need to discuss your dog. They were used as guard dogs and they were used as sentinels, an alarm system. Okay. Long before a human in a, a, a tribe of humans would have seen or sensed danger. The wolf would have picked it up because yeah. dog senses the are so much like, I know they have. I know they have. They, at the moon and all that. Bark, they growl, they snarl. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 absolutely. The similar social structure of a wolf pack to that of human tribes meant it was easier for a docile wolf to fit in. Okay, it knew its place. It, it didn't go in and try and be the alpha. It didn't go in and try and control somebody who it felt was below its stature mm. it's societal stature it basically went in yeah on that it went in as i'm subservient yeah and it got ingratiated itself into the tribe and that's literally where man's best friend kind of comes yeah, yeah exactly well wow. we'll get to that because that's crazy interesting okay cool cool i'm finding this crazy interesting so bring it on down yeah really so wolves being intelligent because they are they, and to survive, you do have to be. Yeah. Learned to recognise human commands. Even if it, it wasn't a sit, give me the paw. Because yeah, that, yeah. that came way down the line. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but they, it was just, it was grunts and gestures and body language. You know, mm -hmm. would have picked up on all of that. Wolves were the first animal to be domesticated by humans appearing about 33,000 years ago. They had smaller size they had shorter snouts. They mm. probably had smaller ears, but they were still wolf-like. It right. still looked like yeah. a wolf. You'd yeah. still look at it and go, that's a wolf. That's well, a wolf. I mean, look at Huskies today. You're looking at yeah. them. They still look like wolves. Yep. Yeah. Episode 9, Stone Age Monkeys. Archaeologists have observed and have found as well within the the archaeological sites. Uh, they have their own archaeological record, this you know, tribe of chimps, troop of chimps. Anyway, yeah, they found that when they're hitting stones off each other, they, they're using it literally as a hammer and an anvil. So it's a stone, yeah, yeah. a nut, and they're hitting it with a stone, yeah. right? Shards of that stone are breaking off, are shearing off into what look almost identical to what archaeologists considered to be early human cutting tilts, right? Yeah, so, so they Early be, human knives, yeah. yeah? And the monkeys and, and apes and chimps and whatever are just leaving them there. They're not picking them up. There's nothing they want to cut. They haven't discovered cutting yet, but they look identical in many ways to what archaeologists considered were early human cutting tools so now it's being reevaluated by some paleo anthropologists are now asking the question 
Where we using cutting tools as far back, you know, as as they know, said we were, or yeah. was it just you know more of this that it was just yeah. shards that broke off when they were using kind of hammer and anvil yeah. stone, you know? So it, it opens that question. Now there are a little bit later on in you know in air fossil record yeah. and stuff that there are like you know clearly manufactured, you know. Yeah. Well, the next logical step is. That shard that's broken off is yeah. obviously going to be sharp. Yes. By nature, shards yeah. are sharp. Yeah. And it's going to be used. It's going to be discovered that's a whether a monkey picks it up and jabs its finger with it, yeah. and it's like oh fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. It's going to register if it's that smart monkey yeah. is going to register that this is a cutting tool yeah. and use it to. Yeah, but as I said, chimps have been doing this for four thousand years and it hasn't dawned on them yet. Well, right? yeah, because they don't have anything that they want to cut or need to cut. Yeah, they eat nuts. Let's it's that fucking chimp over there that you don't like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is it. You know, shiver chimp. <laughs> but um, yeah. Episode ten, from Apollo to Artemis: Mankind's Pissing Contest. It's literally as it is in the kind of three, two, one stage of an actual yeah. launch. And they had 100% oxygen in the, in the capsule, which they figured was probably the optimum for space travel. Because um, there's no oxygen in space. No, but basically having 100% oxygen pressurized in a cabin... Is not a smart move. It's not, because it basically everything in that cabin wanted to burst into flames, essentially. Yeah. And one of the things that they had... One of the great inventions that NASA gave us, and we still use today to this very day, was Velcro. They used to, to kind of stop things floating around in space. Yeah. So, but apparently under 100% pressurized oxygen, Velcro becomes highly combustible. So, it, yeah, it was just a... Um, I don't want to go into too much detail. You can work it out. Uh, Roger Chaffee, Ed White, and Gus Grissom were lost in pretty tragic circumstances. Pretty horrific way to go. Yeah. Um, in the ensuing fire. Uh, so after that, anyway, um, as NASA does, and in fairness to them, as, as they've always done, they learned from those mistakes, they immediately made changes, and they reduced it to a 30% oxygen mix, and they thickened the walls then because of the pressure. Fucking 30% oxygen. Yeah. So they cut it by... 70%. Jesus yeah, I know. Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just a, like... That's, totally. that's like when you your kid learns to bake or something. Yeah. And yeah. go, well, how much do I put in? And go, ah, put, put, put more in. No, more in. Ah, fuck it. Put yeah. it all in. And then you end up with a disaster. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so... Like that could have killed the moon race right there. Episode 11. Fasting on Friday, shoeless on Sundays and other plague cures. Around the middle of 1349, an English ship ran aground near Bergen. Norway? Yeah. Okay. Bringing the plague there. So, Bringing the plague to Norway. So it's in Scandinavia and it's headed for Russia now. Yep. By the end of that week, the crew were dead. And the plague had reached Denmark and Sweden. There, this is great. We can hear this. And I know I'm talking about very bleak stuff. But this is fucking hilarious. Man. Oh my God. We need a laugh. There, the king believed fasting on a Friday and going shoeless on a Sunday night might avert the plague. Okay. Pleasing God. It didn't work. Again, it's the whole superstition thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. We've talked about before. I mean... Yeah, listen, it sounds ridiculous and bloody crazy now. But I mean, we understand microbiology and stuff now. Back then, I mean, and I'm sure they were trying everything. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know. yeah. They were trying everything and uh, trying good. everything desperately. Yeah. Like, yeah. and watching this thing absolutely annihilate everything around them, everybody yeah. around them. But fasting for, on a Friday and going shoeless on a Sunday, I've no idea why the, the addendum... To have shoes on. Well, it's fucking <laughs> hilarious. It's penance, isn't it? It's suffering. But it's, yeah, you know, it's, well, it's, it's suffering in, if you walk over hot clothes. In yourself. Shoes. Going shoeless on a Sunday, it didn't work. Episode 13. Interesting junk and stuff. Okay, back when dinosaurs existed, and you like this. Okay. Back when dinosaurs existed, so pre-66 million years ago, there were still 
volcanoes erupting on the moon. On the moon? On the moon. Okay, yeah. cool. Isn't that deadly? Well, well, it stands to reason. That's quite the fireworks show in the sky, isn't it? The moon, they theorise, was created because Earth took a glancing blow of from an asteroid, another, yeah. another, not even an asteroid, but another proto-planet. Okay, so like when large they, asteroid. But, yeah. but that's why it was a glancing blow. It didn't yeah. obliterate it. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, was, a it, was, it, it was the proto-solar system was being formed. Yeah, like yeah, the moon was, had just, yeah. the moon, the sun had just kind of ignited. And yeah, we and I'm pretty sure the Earth hadn't cooled at that stage either. Now, well, I'm not 100% sure of that, but I think. But, well, it couldn't have, because yeah. I mean, they were, they were, the whole solar system was one it was just being big formed, basically, yeah. fire pit of things bouncing off each other yeah, and yeah. that kind of thing. It was bitter so table, that's how they theorised the yeah. moon was built. So as the moon coalesced into the moon that we know now, yeah. there would have still been volcanic eruptions on it. Episode 14. So you think you know the Celts, part one. The hot dog prince was discovered, I think, in 1978. Okay, here I was um, born. Where was the hot prince found? My answer would be Hotdorf. <laughs> yeah, which is, I think... And, which I'm probably wrong on, but seems kind of obvious to me, seeing as it's yeah. the Hotdorf prince. Yeah, I don't know whether that actually refers to an area or... I haven't a clue. I, I my, don't know. My geography's my German, not great. But my geography of Ireland isn't great, but my geography of other countries, yeah. less so. And my understanding of German is non-existent. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. Hochdorf. H-O-C-H-D-O-R-F. Yeah. Prince. Okay. I didn't know whether Hochdorf was a descriptive. I don't know. Or, I haven't a clue. Or whether I it's a... Yeah. I didn't read but enough I, into it. But yeah. I, I was looking at the Hochdorf Prince, the burial chamber. It's full of... Jewels, not jewels, yeah. as in ru- big rubies. Before we go there, let's just like um, explain to our listeners what the who or what the hot dog prince is. It's a mummified corpse, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, he is. He's a mummified corpse of a Celtic noble of some description. Yeah. I don't know if he was a war chief. If he was a war chief, why wasn't he buried with his weapons? Yeah, he just has he's one. got what a ceremonial dagger. Yeah. What the description beautiful gold it. ceremonial yeah, yeah. dagger. Yeah, but he's got that big Celtic gold band around yeah. his neck, whatever. A torque. Yeah, it's torque mm. and brooches and all this kind and of stuff. And a lot of finery. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of finery. Yeah, but he doesn't. He's not buried with his weapons. Yeah, and I was reading about it, and the thing I had in my head. Was parallels with Tutankhamun, yes, in yeah. in Egypt and his burial chamber, and yeah. it was really obvious to me that the difference between the two, because they were both really opulent, really well off, and yeah. full of gold and full of treasures and all that yeah, kind of thing, yeah. was the Hotdorf Prince doesn't seem to have thought of himself. As a god yes. walking on earth. Yeah, and that where, absolutely. Where the pharaohs did. Yeah, and that absolutely ties in with the Celtic belief system, yeah, which I'm going to yeah, get yeah. to later. But uh, yeah, no, although the gods did walk on earth, you know, in, in Celtic mythology, that, you know, the leaders and tri- you know, tribes, chiefs, things like that didn't, they weren't kind of deified or treated yeah, as gods. And they weren't yeah. led into the delusion that they were deities. Yeah. yeah. So, that was, I was thinking about, yeah, I was thinking about Tim Cameron and I was thinking about the difference. Mm. And then I was thinking, and I've no answer to this, how do you get to the point where you think, you know what, I'm a fucking God walking on earth. Episode 15. So you think you know the Celts part two. But when Presutagus, when he died, the agreement that he had with the Romans coming into Britain died with him. Right. Apparently... The Romans beat and raped their way through the Iceni tribe. Okay. Boudicca and her daughters were raped as well. Okay. Okay, and that was that was kind of it for her. Now, in 60 AD, 60, 61 AD, I'm not sure which one it is, and I don't think any historians are. I don't think it matters. You know, she led a revolt yeah. against the Roman armies. Okay, so that's why she's famous. I knew she was famous for something, I didn't really know what it was. And I'm actually very grateful to her as well, and I'll get on to that in a little while. Okay. She led a revolt against the Romans. 
And there's an estimated 70,000 Romans were killed in that battle, in that revolt. Right. She sacked three towns, three Roman towns in England. Now, when you say she sacked, I'm assuming she had an army. Of course she did. It wasn't yeah. her going in with an yeah, M60 that's, machine that's gun. Yeah, okay. Could, could, so she sacked. It depends on her and her daughters. And then it's like, you know, she, I don't know whether her, her and her daughters just got together and went on a rampage. Or Jesus whether, no. Christ, man. Okay. <laughs> So when I say she's sacked, I'm talking about yeah. her fucking army. Okay? Right, so she led, yeah, so she okay. became a leader. Yeah. Okay, right. She well, led well. a revolt and sacked three Roman towns in England. Right. One of them was London. Okay. Sacked Londinius. the shit out of the place, Londinius or whatever yeah. it was called. Yeah. Sacked the shit out of the place. So much so that the Romans considered pulling their tribes out of England. Wow. Like she was, she was annihilating them everywhere she went and she was counter-attacking right. all this kind of shit and wrecking up their stuff. And what was it, tactics or was it just pure savagery that she was just... It was a mix. Yeah. I'd say it was a mixture of both. Yeah. You know, because I know like, you know, the Romans would have destroyed the Celts as barbaric. And, yeah, yeah. And we've already talked about, you know, taking heads and sacrifices to... Yeah, well, we're, yeah, we're already... Stuff, so. We've already discussed yeah. what their meaning of barbaric was. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, you know, it there was, was a lot barbarism, more to it. but it was, you know. There was a lot more to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just marauding lunatics. It was well-thought-out barbarism, you know. Well-planned barbarism, you might say. It's around the end of these battles that Boudicca died. Right. It was, and it was, it was Romans pushing up into England as the battle raged. Um, right. The Celtic Iceni collective tribes pushing back uh, with Boudicca at the head. Right. And it's about this time that she died, and they're they're not sure if she was injured and died from her injuries or was killed in battle. And I did find documents where it was written that she and her daughters took poison rather than be captured by the Romans. Episode 16. Flip who the what now? The legend goes that British archers or bowmen, when they were captured by the French troops, would have their fingers chopped off. Ah. So they couldn't draw the, the bows. They, they were archers for the army yeah. and they couldn't draw the bows because you draw a bow string with, with your index fingers. finger and your middle finger. Yeah. Yeah. And the legend has it have them chopped off so they couldn't do it. So the two fingered salute was announcing to your foe, the French in this case, that you haven't been Haha, I still have my us. two fingers. Yeah, you didn't get me. Yeah, so. Yeah, okay. In Agincourt in 1415, this was the go-to taunt for the British forces hmm. with the fingers up in the air. And someone I read has suggested, pluck you. Pluck right. you sounds very poetically pluck like, you. fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, but you y e w is the type of wood, is the type of wood that was from. the long bows yeah. were made from and the long bows were famous because they were so good yeah so it works in that respect so pluck you was accompanied with the visa apparently it did i believe it there is absolutely no evidence oh, okay to support either of those facts and so the, even the two finger salute, the two there's finger no evidence salute, for yeah, that. Yeah, there was no oh, okay. evidence. It's it's nice to think of because I heard it years ago when I was a kid, and I was like, "That's fucking awesome." Yeah, it does sound that really is good. so good. I love it. There's no evidence for it, oh. or there's none I could find. And I read so, articles. And did you of find people. any any kind of contradicting evidence for another origin for it? No. Nope. Well, then I'm going with that one then. Yeah. I'm sticking. Just with that. like the Celts knocking on wood, I'm going with that one. Yeah. It yeah. could be an urban myth, but... Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, but, <laughs> It's out there now. But uh, I found articles of people saying there's no evidence for it ever having occurred right. in the annals of history or okay. ever like that. And the pluck you, it strikes me, was just added by somebody... That seems like a ...relatively recently. Yeah, because it fits so nicely with fuck you. It's, yeah, it's, no, yeah it is, it's yeah. brilliant. But, and it, it's very clever and it's very good. And somebody read the U tree and they were like, fucking pluck you, works for me. 
Fuck you. Yeah, great. Fantastic. And then that's, it just became... It's almost... Um, yeah, it's, it's almost too, too easy. But I'd never heard the term pluck you and it never occurred to me before I read it. Yeah. And I understood it immediately and I'm sure lots of people have. I can see myself going around today telling people pluck you. Yeah. You know, it was just too, too, too well done, too neat, too tidy and there's no evidence for it. So that's it. I if, like it. So if I'm, you're listening to this... I'm keeping it. There's no evidence for the two-fingered salute being British bowmen or pluck you. Episode 17, Grace O'Malley, Pirate Green. Grace O'Malley had three kids with Donald. Her kids, Owen, Murrah and Margaret. Yeah. I assume after her mother. Before Donald was murdered by a rival clan. Right. In battle, they would have been fighting. He was murdered by a rival clan or they were ambushed and jumped on. While he was out hunting, I was one of the facts I read. So he might have been out yeah, hunting. Yeah, well, when you're saying murdered, it doesn't sound like battle. So that's probably murdered. Murdered, yeah, yeah. Jumped on, ambushed, yeah. murdered. The clan the men belonged to that murdered Donald was the fucking Joyce clan. And I read that and I went, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you killed Granny Amalia. Yeah, yeah my, I was like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, so... They murdered Donald. Right. The fucking Joyces then set out to take their castle because apparently there was only a woman at home. Right. Grace okay. and the kids, right? Grace's <laughs> counteroffensive to the invading Joyces was so fierce, it was likened to a mother hen protecting her brood. Right. Which seems like a, a very uncomplimentary yeah, no, fuck thing that. to me. It was an Irish mammy. No. Don't fuck with an Irish yeah, mammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's why it was likened to a hen protecting her brood. Right. Castle Kirk, Loch Corrib, and look it up, to this day is still known as Hen's Castle. Okay, right. And that's why. Right. And that comes from Grace O'Malley. That comes from Grace O'Malley. After Donald's death, Grace and her children returned to Clare Island in Clue Bay. Yeah. So I wondered where Clare Island was because I was like, County fucking Clare? But no, it wasn't. No, it's Clue yeah, Bay yeah. is in Galway. Clue Bay, yeah. 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 So her, she returned there with her kids. And historically, it's, not, it's Inish Clare. And it's south of Ackle Island. Okay. So I was, yeah, I was wondering, I was like, I haven't fucking ever seen that in geography. And my geography is not great, but yeah. it's Inish clear. Okay, let's go look at that. She had what's still known today as Grand Walia's castle rebuilt. Yeah. So obviously it had fallen into some kind of disrepair and she had it rebuilt and fortified. Yeah. Now I just, I noticed something else as well on that. Like I did skip past all the stuff about the husband because you had told me that and I know why now. But I did just catch the tail end of it and her revenge was so ferocious on the, why now know to be the Joyce clan. The Joyce's. Right. That she became known as the Dark Lady of Duna. No, that wasn't it, but I will get to it later. Wasn't that? No, okay. As I said, I skipped. Yeah, so you I may have skipped of, past what led up to that. A little bit more. Okay. That's not why she was the Dark Fair Lady Fair enough, right. Well, then I leave. Yeah. I leave um, you to fill in the gaps for me later. Then. Yes, but you're right. She was called the Dark Lady of Duna. Episode 18. Are you talking shite again? The S-Band was later improved into the U-Band by a man who was born to influence the toilet invention game. He was born to it. It was his calling. Okay. Thomas Crapper. <laughs> That's his name. Look it up. Thomas Crapper. C-R-A-P-P-E-R. So Thomas where, Crapper. That's where the Crapper gets his name from. Might be. <laughs> Thomas Crapper gave us the U-Band in 1880. And unlike the S-Band, it didn't regularly clog up. Is That's the greatest name ever. <laughs> you know what? When they were hanging out of occupations, it was like, name Edison. Oh, Christ, what are you going to do? Edison, okay, here, look. sounds the same. Light bulb, well. go for it. Um, what's your name? Crapper. A bad job for you. <laughs> Yeah, so they, they didn't, he got the U-Bend in because he, he obviously thought enough, long enough about it to go, these Yeah, the S-Bend's too complicated. U-Bend, much, much more yeah. simple. Yeah. 
By the time Europe moved into the 19th century, cities had modern water and sewage systems slash infrastructures. Right. So have you ever seen the... And they, they still weren't great. Like, and I know it's it's not the 19th century. It's, it's 18th or 17th. Have you ever seen the Sherlock Holmes movies with yeah. Robert Downey, Downey Jr.? Years ago. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's... In the second one, and I'm again, I saw it years ago, so I'm going on memory. There's a contraption in the sewer that's below the Houses of Parliament that's going to release a cyanide gas into Parliament and kill everybody. Right. And it, he files it in the end, blah, blah, blah. Movies run for whoever hasn't seen it. But my point is, they're in the sewer. They're in the yeah. sewage system and they're, they're dealing with deactivating this cyanide device, this cyanide yeah. gas release device. And none of them are curling their nose at yeah. the, the stink that's got to be around. None of them are nearly passing out from the smell that's not yeah. good. That's not, and none of them are standing in something going, oh, for fuck's sake. It's the most... Natural, normal. It's day. the most. Or just ignore It's the most undub environment I've ever seen in a movie. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? And if you look at like where they enter the, where they enter the sewer to go in and find this thing, all the effluents start flowing out into the Thames. The the front of the sewer system. Is 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 Spot just a wash? Can. No, it's a wash with all this filth. Episode nineteen, and now the weather, part one. Beneath the two point four mile, four kilometer thick ice sheet, is Lake Vostok. Lake Vostok. Lake. A lake. Vostok. Liquid Under Antarctica. Lake. Yeah. I, I think. I imagine it's barely above freezing, is it? I would say so, but we'll get into that, and then we'll make a decision on it. A, a very amateur decision yeah. on whether we think it is or not. But in expert opinion. There, there's about 70 subglacial lakes that have been discovered beneath Antarctica. And mm. scientists, and I don't know how they get this estimation, but they estimate there might be upward of 400. Wow. Yeah, not fucking insane. It is, yeah, it's weird. Like, yeah. okay, something that I never really got about Antarctica, and it always confuses me. Because it's, you know, it's so fluid, it's... It's essentially, in my mind, and I'm hoping you can correct me if I'm wrong or confirm oh, we can't. Mind, that Antarctica is essentially a plateau or a, it's a continent of icebergs floating on the sea, is it? No. Is no. There there, land there's landmass. There is a landmass. There would be landmass there, there. Okay. For, for the icebergs hmm. to not float on the sea because floating would kind of infer. That they're no, floating all over the fucking gas. Yeah, no, but are they not held roughly in place? Like, I know, like, there is a landmass in Antarctica, but the continent of Antarctica is much bigger, if you know what I mean, than that landmass. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because you've got the yeah. basically frozen sea, yeah. which, you know, is part, you know. Like, if you could imagine if you're standing in Bray, right, and you're on the, on the beach in Bray, and you're looking out, and... That the beach of Bray is frozen and the sea is frozen. You're not going to be able to tell what's land and what's sea, if you get me. That what Antarctica is like. Yeah, well, you're not going to be able to tell what's land and what's sea if what you're standing on is it's four ice. kilometer yeah. thick exactly. ice. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, like, like they say, Antarctica is the largest continent, but how much of it is actually landmass? Is the landmass the largest continent, or is it? The landmass and the ice that makes it the largest continent. You have to go above a certain thickness before you call it landmass. Yeah, so for, yeah, that's you what you call it. Well, like, yeah, I'm thinking terra firma, you know, rock and whatever, as opposed to just kilometres of ice. I don't know if this, the rock and stone and gravel and mountainous whatevers are what constitute the land, largest landmass, if they, they're yeah. that big. I know they're not that big as the Antarctica. You will see at the bottom of the globe, if you look at the Earth on the internet, 
yeah, picture yeah, of the yeah. Earth. Because a lot of that's just ice. But if you've got ice that's four kilometers thick, mm, that constitutes land. land to me. Yeah, yeah. Episode 20. And now the weather, part two. Not so much the movie, but the actual storm itself, the perfect storm, and why it was called the perfect storm, and what was so special about it. So it happened in 1991, between October 28th and November 2nd. So basically what you had was you had a bog-standard hurricane called Grace down in the Caribbean, around Bermuda. And you know, just your average kind of category one hurricane, you know, minding its own business down That's there. That's off start though, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But this, like, nobody predicted that this was going to do anything like what was about to happen. So basically, it moved up the eastern seaboard of the US. Now, it's about 300 kilometers off, off the coast. The thing with hurricanes is they are anticyclonic, so they rotate clockwise. Uh, which naturally causes them to travel west to east. Right. right. So this is off the east coast of America. As far as anyone's concerned, this thing is going out to sea. It's not going to make landfall. It's not going to be an issue, yeah? Yeah. So it goes up the eastern seaboard, heading on a, you know, on a, on a northeastern kind of track, yeah? Up the east coast, but getting further and further out to sea as it goes up. So it's not bothering anybody on land. However, at the same time, there was a northeastern storm brewing over New England, right? So that was causing a major low pressure over, like, you know, kind of Boston. Oh, New okay, so just just a storm, not yeah, yeah, a storm with a storm. name. It's, not the way they Yeah, they yeah, no, this yeah, is yeah. just, you okay. know, it's, it's not hurricane force. It's just a low pressure, shitty weather and, you know, moderately high winds, whatever, you know. Yeah. You know it's a northeastern. They're, they're quite severe, bringing a lot of rain and stuff, okay. but nothing, you know, catastrophic. So you had that one brewing over New England, so up around kind of Massachusetts and New Hampshire. And Hurricane Grace is hurtling towards that. Now, as I said, hurricanes rotate clockwise, so move west to east. That's just, you know, if you think of it in your head, it's like a wheel. So it's moving that way. Right, yeah. What happened was because of the low pressure being created by the northeaster storm over New England, when Hurricane Grace got up there, it started to be sucked back towards land. Right. So it actually went backwards, it retrograded. Hurricanes do not do. Okay. You know, so that's, it was completely unique for that to happen. So it got sucked back towards the New England coast. Okay. And eventually got swallowed by the northeastern storm, which was like pouring nitro into an engine. It just exploded. Right. It exploded. Um, like your average hurricane is about two to three hundred miles across. When Hurricane Grace collided with the northeastern storm coming down from New England, it was fifteen hundred miles wide. Episode twenty one. When volcanoes explode, part one. When Voyager One was passing Jupiter in nineteen seventy nine, imaging scientist Linda Morabito turned Voyager's camera to take a parting shot of the Jovian system. I remember that, yeah. And in taking that shot, she took a photo of Io, one yeah. of Jupiter's biggest moons. moons. One of its frozen one, isn't one it? of its eighty moons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Europa is frozen. Is Europa sorry, yeah. And uh, there's a, a thing about that in the it's most likely to papers. Have I'll tell you about it in a second. But it's sure. she took a photograph of Io and inadvertently snapped the first photo of a volcanic eruption on a body other in the solar system other than Earth. Cool. So that's fucking class. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it wasn't lava and magma and shit. It was it, ice. It was ice and water. And they think it was from the tidal forces generated by Jupiter's immense gravitational forces on its moon. Because it squashes and stretches yeah, yeah, them and shit, yeah, you know? Yeah. And all that friction is going to create heat. It's hard to kind of fathom just the level of gravity displacement that Jupiter kind of, you know, it's so big. And it's yeah, well, it, it pulls on the sun. Yeah, yeah. What is that zone? Uh, there's a zone. Well, the centre of the solar system is actually outside the surface of the sun. It's not in right. the sun. And okay. it's down to the planets in the solar system. I know system. what you mean, oh, the orbits, yeah. But, but, and I can't remember what it is. Like, I can't remember what it is. Um, it's the it's the influence of the planets 
on the sun, as much as the sun holds the planets in their orbits, yeah. their gravitational pull in their orbits the is, is influencing the sun. Right, so the center, the center is yes. out, the center of the solar system is outside the surface of the sun. Yeah, it's a barry center. Yeah, it's yeah. a barry center. I knew yeah. it was barry something. Yeah. What have you got now? Um, so a quick Google search of what is the true center of the solar system brings up the following. It's actually just outside the sun's surface. Our entire solar system also has a barry center. The sun, the earth and all of the planets in the solar system orbit around this barry center. It is the center of mass of every object in the solar system combined. Episode 22. When volcanoes explode, part two. This guy discovered bones of Pompeians that had been buried under the pyroclastic flow. And the pyroclastic flow, you remember that? It's yeah, the hot yeah. ash and debris and detritus and lava and rock and all yeah. that shit that comes steaming down a uh, mountain. At like 700 miles an hour, I think you said it was, which really shocked me. And it's 700 kilometers. Yeah. Like you see bloody fucking volcanoes in movies or whatever, and it's that slow, you know, lava seeping down the side of the hill, creeping towards yeah, the no, yeah. And I was like, how the fuck did they not run away from this shit? Like, and then you said we had 700 miles well, an hour. Well, that's like, the pyroclastic ah. flow. Yeah. That's not the lava No, that's surge. the like, initial explosion, basically. Isn't it's, it? No, it's been exploding. As far as you know, it's been exploding. It's a build-up and then it's a release. Yeah. It's, it's top-heavy and it just surges down. It just down goes like an avalanche. Yeah. And it just swallows everything in its yeah. path. But the guy that discovered the bones, he discovered them in... Uh, not a cavern, because when you think a cavern, you think of something huge. Yeah. But it's it's a cavity. That's yes. the word I'm looking for. It's small cavity. And the cavity, he filled with plaster cast, and it turned out to be the shape of the person who used to own those bones. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, like that's, they, that's where the body was, like yeah. Vaporized, incinerated, whatever yeah. way you want to put. It. And they're really, if you go on Google and look at them, and maybe you'll find a couple of pictures. And you can throw up, or throw, even throw up a couple of links. Yeah. But it's really haunting. Mm. You don't see like vivid features. They're they're no, just kind of you know they're they're head shaped, yeah, amorphous. Like a, yeah, like a clay limbs kinda. sticking out. You, you can tell that they're clay sculpture. That's not. You can tell that they're in the fetal position, or yeah. you can tell that they're hunkered, holding their knees to their chest. Yeah. You know that kind of yeah. way. But it's they're haunting looking. Yeah. It's, mm. On the day of the eruption, Pompeii was business as usual. Now, I read that Pompeii was a holiday resort town. So it was very popular. And there were two festivals, and I don't know the names of them, but there were two festivals. One was, actually, you know, I don't know the name of them, but I think one of them was to honour Augustus, who was considered to be the first emperor of Rome. Yeah. And even has a month named after him. I think it's November. August. It's fucking August. <laughs> so he's even got a month named after him. But it was to honour him. And the other one was to honour. And this is vague. Something in the back of my head is telling me this. Was to honour the god Vulcan. Okay. Which has a certain irony to it. Episode 23, Very Superstitious 2. In Greek legend, Narcissus, a hunter from Thespia, was the most desirable man in the world. And you know what Thespia was really famous for? Actors. Well, yeah. Theatre. Theatre. Thespians. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, where the yeah, word, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thespian comes from. Thespians. Yeah. Okay, I'll never forget that now. In, in the known world. He was the most desirable man in the known world. He was in his own head. He was anyway. Well, narcissism. Well, narcissism. that's where narcissism comes yeah, from. Yeah. But apparently, he was. That's the legend okay. that somebody wrote that he was. Okay. Right. Hera, the queen of the gods and wife of Zeus, was totally enraptured listening to Echo, a mountain nymph, and an amazing conversationalist. So she could talk the hind legs of a donkey. Right. Right. While she was captivated by what Echo was saying, Zeus was having a threesome with two other mountain nymphs. 
Jesus Christ. He was a philandering fucker. I know, yeah. Right? Okay. Flatter the gods, you know, it's a privilege, isn't it? Realising what Zeus was at, but not being able to do squat about it, because he's the king of the gods. Yeah. Hera lost the plot with Echo, the mouth of nymph. She blamed her for it. Well, yeah, the gods seem to have a habit of doing this, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Because they fucking did it to I can't take it out on who I want to take it out on, so I'm just going to take it out on somebody. Yeah, I'm just going to blame you, Yeah. yeah. So go back and listen to the whole Medusa episode yeah. if you don't know what we're talking about, but it's nuts. She lost the plot with Echo because Echo was distracting her and Zeus was having a threesome while she was looking the other way. Right. Kind of thing. Okay. Because yeah. she was busy with Echo, Zeus thought, here's my chance. Yeah, yeah. So he went off and he was he was doing his bit while his wife was in the kitchen talking to somebody else. You yeah. know that kind of way? <laughs> okay. For Echo's deception, Hera took her away her ability to talk, which is, you know, it's been so str- struck dumb. Being struck dumb yeah. is bad in itself. But, but for someone who's but a fantastic for somebody, orator. Yeah, who's orator. a great orator and mm. conversationalist, and yeah. it's kind of the core of her being yeah. kind of thing. But is there then a thing, really like, are we looking at that myth in the right way? Did Biscuit. she intentionally... She may have, she may not have, but either way, whether she did or not... Was she complicit in the other two shagging Zeus? I didn't read that she categorically was. I didn't read that she wasn't. But she got blamed. And she may have been the innocent party in all this. Zeus being an absolute wanker... He gets away with it anyway, yeah. ...said, fucking take this moment, and Mm -hmm. he went off with two others, okay? So, for Echo's... Deception, if she was involved in it, Hera took away her ability to talk, save for only being able to repeat the last one or two things another says. Ah, and her name was what again? Echo. Ah. Episode 24, Mind Blown. The Mona Lisa has no eyebrows. No eyebrows at all. None at all. She used to have. People always wonder why Mona Lisa doesn't have any eyebrows. The mystery has been solved, all thanks to an engineer named Pascal Cote. When da Vinci painted her originally, she did indeed have, have eyebrows. But over time, these eyebrows were eroded due to cleaning to the point where they're no longer visible today. So whatever... So how come only her eyebrows I would No, I'm just guessing and, you know... The, I do a bit of painting myself, so I have a little bit of an you know, understanding of this stuff. Certain pigments will last longer than others and are more resilient. So I'm just wondering, was it the actual pigment he used in the eyebrows? I don't know. Was it just that? And that's actually washed away, whereas you know, other pigments are more long-lasting, more permanent. Yeah, I'm not saying I, I don't agree with it. Or obviously shouldn't fucking have eyebrows. <laughs> I'm just saying... I don't know what I'm saying. I just... <laughs> I know. There, I, there are a lot more obvious features on a face. Sorry, let me start that again. There are a lot less obvious features on a face that could fade into the background to the point where they are no longer detectable with your eyesight or whatever mm. than eyebrows. Yeah, no, I understand what you mean. Like, they're fairly heavy duty, like. And who's to say that but that isn't the case. I mean, we don't know what the Mona Lisa looked like when it was originally painted. Maybe she had a beard. No, no. You know what I mean. You know, there might have been a hell of a lot more well, detail in that face than what we see today. Is there a whole air raft of questions about whether it's actually a woman? Really? Yeah, somewhere in the back of my head, I, I remember people questioning the gender of the Mona Lisa. Really? Yeah. Okay. And maybe it always was a woman in the painting, but his the Da Vinci's muse or his model his, may not his have model been. May yeah, not I have think been I have woman. heard so that said somewhere in, in the back of my head, I, yeah. I, but I know I as well when it's been X-rayed and stuff, or you know, or bloody cat scanned or whatever it is. It's not quite an X-ray, but it's you know, yeah. He had used that canvas for three or four different paintings before the Mona Lisa. Yeah, I didn't know that. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's other stuff behind that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to show he was quite frugal as well, you know. Waste not, what not. Yeah, well, there is all, all that. that, yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting, though, that, uh, as you said, like, her eyebrows are the only thing that's disappeared. I'd argue that and say, maybe 
you know, maybe her face was a lot more vibrant or had a lot more detail. I'm sure it. It and they've lost that over vibrant. the years. Yeah, you know? but, so that's but they haven't well. lost any other distinctive features on her face as opposed to a whole fucking eyebrow. Yeah, yeah, so, see, yeah. See, that's what makes me think that it yeah. may have been a certain pigment that whatever chemical they used to clean just took that that whole pigment off. You know what they need? They need that Spanish lady that fixed up that picture of Christ. Jesus, did you see that? They need her to fix <laughs> no, Mona Lisa. No, they really Give don't. Give Mona Lisa a unibrow. <laughs> they do not need yeah. her near. The yeah, the fucking picture that you woman oh. Jesus Christ. That was fucking <laughs> hilarious. Episode 25, Sound, The Origins of Halloween. The Hill of Ward is perfectly visible from the Hill of Terror, mm. and the fire lit on the night of Sound at Ward was a prelude to the sound festival at Tara, which took place, I think it was the night after. So, uh, so it was kind of a, a... It was a beacon. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the beacons are being lit. Yeah. That yeah. kind of crack. Yeah, yeah that's like what I think the bells that yeah. rang on a Sunday for, you know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cool. And that might be where it came from. Mm. Actually, no, you know, you can't say that because the Christians come in and they fucking... Oh, I know, yeah. ...take well, everything. We're going to get there. What the fucking Christians want. The fucking Christians get. Yeah. Apologies to any Christian listeners. Yeah. But your religion is bunk. <laughs> Interestingly, fires in people's homes when it was coming up to the main communal bonfire night were let die and they were they were cleaned out, reset and relit anew from the massive community bonfire to mark the beginning of winter and to get protection. Class. Isn't that funny? I added? really like that. Yeah, yeah. so I, I read that and I was I like, I just oh, love that community. Just I do. I just yeah. love that that kind of promotes in a community and that's yeah that's lovely actually that's yeah lovely. on may 13th 1609 ce pope boniface and i don't know if i'm pronouncing his it fucking is boniface name, is yeah, it? yeah yeah boniface pope boniface the fourth dedicated the pantheon in rome establishing the catholic feast of all martyrs day okay i haven't heard of that one before may 13th 1609 all you need to remember is may 13th was it friday uh i wouldn't say so <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Pope Gregory the Third later expanded the festival to include all saints as well as all martyrs. Okay. And moved it from May 13th to November 1st. Right, All Saints Day. Yeah. yeah. By the 9th century, Christianity had supplanted many older Celtic rites. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. In 1000 CE, the church made November the 2nd All Souls Day in what was widely believed to be the church's efforts to replace the Celtic festival of the dead with a church-sanctioned celebration. Yeah. I just get angrier and angrier as I read. I was like, fuck you, man. (laughs) (laughs) Jumping all over our culture. Yeah. Mm. All Saints Day. Erasing our culture, sorry. All Saints Day. It was erasure of culture, yeah. All Saints Day on November the 1st, which was Sound's original day, Right. Was also called All Hollows Day. Yeah. And All Hollows comes from, and I can't remember the, how to pronounce it, but a Middle English word which was All Hollow something, 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 something. I can't remember. But it translated into All Saints Day. Right. All but, Hollowed Souls. Or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah, can't remember. Yeah. So All Hollows made sound, which was the day before, All Hollows oh, Eve. Eve. And eventually that became Halloween. And that's a wrap on season one. A big thank you to everybody that stuck with us for the duration. It's much appreciated. Keep an eye out for season two, which starts with an absolute banger on December the 1st. See you all soon.